Part six of a narrative of the expedition to Dongola and Sennar by George Bethune English. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The army reached Sennar in thirteen days. The signal for striking the tents and loading the camels was generally fired about two hours after midnight. One hour was allowed for loading the baggage when a second cannon was fired, and the march of the army commenced and was continued each day till about two or three hours before noon when the camp reposed till about two hours after midnight of the same day the army suffered severely during this march nothing was given to the troops for subsistence but dura unground which the soldiers were frequently in great distress to obtain the means of making into meal in order to bake a little miserable bread which was all they had to eat footnote forty nine the people of Dongola, Shagea, Berber, Shendi, and Sennar do not use mills to make meal. They reduce grain to meal by rubbing it a handful at a time between two stones, one fixed in the ground and one held by the hands. By long and tedious friction the grain is reduced to powder. This labor is performed by the women, as is almost all the drudgery of the people of the Upper Nile. End of footnote for myself i was reduced to great extremity the camel carrying my provisions and culinary utensils and several other articles was lost by the carelessness of a domestic i was consequently left without anything to eat or the means of preparing what i might obtain i threw myself under the hospitable shade of the tent of mr caillot then only occupied by mr constant his companion the gentleman i have mentioned in the preface with so much well-merited esteem where i stayed till my arrival at sennar the country we traversed is that part of the kingdom of sennar which lies between the nile and the bahar el abud it is an immense and fertile plain occupied by numerous villages some of them very large that of wahat medinet for instance containing probably four or five thousand inhabitants what country we saw was at this season perfectly naked of grass consisting generally of immense fields which in the season past had been planted with dura acacia trees and bushes in the country far back from the river which is sandy were abundant but no herbage was visible i did not see throughout our route a single water-wheel and i believe that the country is only cultivated when the inundation has retired footnote fifty water-wheel on my return from sennar i descended by the river as far as berber on the way i did see some few water-wheels which however were employed merely to water the patches of ground devoted to raising vegetables End of footnote. the houses of the villages are built in the following manner a circle of stakes is planted in the ground a conical frame of poles attached to these stakes below and meeting and fastened at the top of the cone forms the roof this roof and the sides of the house are then covered with thatched straw which suffices to exclude the rains some of the houses however belonging to the chiefs are of a stronger fabric being composed of thick walls made of bricks dried in the sun and having terraced roofs in the thatched cottages i have mentioned the air and light come in by the doorway and four small holes pierced in the walls of the house this scanty ventilation renders these cottages very hot and close the difference between the temperature of an inhabited house and that of the air outside being in my judgment almost as great as that of the undressing-room of a bath at cairo 
and that of the passage just outside of the bath itself this circumstance alone is almost sufficient to account for the great mortality in senar during the rainy season when whole families are shut up in these close cottages and every one who goes abroad must necessarily go with his pores in a condition expressly adapted to make him catch a cold or a fever six days before the army reached senar the pasha was met by an ambassador from the sultan he had an audience of his excellence and returned the next day to senar he was a handsome young man accompanied by a numerous suite mounted on dromedaries the army pursued its route steadily marching in order of battle the infantry in the centre the cavalry on the wings the artillery in advance of the centre and the baggage in the rear with shaus cavalry and the dromedary corps of abides scouring our front and flanks to a great distance two days after it was reported in the camp that the sultan of senar was on his way to meet us with a strong force preceded by numerous elephants and great herds of cattle collected in order to receive and exhaust the fire of our troops the pasha proceeded however steadily on with the army in order of battle and equally prepared for peace or war two days before the arrival of the army in senar as i was riding near the topki bashi who was in front of the army with the artillery i saw a great number of armed men approaching mounted on horses and dromedaries presently the malik of shendi who had accompanied the pasha rode up to the pasha and informed him that the strangers approaching were the principal officers of the sultan of senar and their suite who had come to demand terms of peace footnote fifty one the pasha had invited the malik of shendi and the malik of halfia to accompany him to senar the malik of halfia excused himself on account of his age and infirmities but sent his eldest son along with the pasha by this stroke of policy the pasha made the tranquillity of the powerful provinces of shendi and halfia certain and the advance of his army without risk from an insurrection in his rear as the people of those provinces would hardly dare to make any hostile movement while the chief of one province and the heir of the malik of the other were in our camp nimmer the malik of shendi is a grave and venerable man of about sixty-five years of age very dignified in his deportment and highly respectable for his morals the malik of halfia i have not seen End of footnote. i saw these personages when they arrived they were two one a tall thin elderly man of a mulatto complexion dressed in green and yellow silks of costly fabric with a cap of a singular form something resembling a crown made of the same materials upon his head the other was the same young man who had come a few days past to the pasha he was dressed to-day in silks like the other except that his head was bare of ornament they were accompanied by a fine lad about sixteen who was it is said the son of the predecessor of the present sultan all three were mounted on tall and beautiful horses and accompanied by about two hundred soldiers of the sultan mounted on dromedaries and armed with broadswords lances and shields when the pasha was informed of their approach by the malik of shendi he ordered a halt the tent of the pasha was pitched and the ambassadors were introduced they were treated with great attention and liberality by the pasha who during the day and the course of the evening following gave them opportunities enough to be convinced of the immense superiority of our arms to theirs 
during the evening some star rockets and bombs were thrown for their amusement and edification no language can do justice to their astonishment at the spectacle which undoubtedly produced the effect intended by the pasha humility and a sense of inferiority the next morning at an early hour the army pursued its march accompanied by the ambassadors from senar about the hour of noon the outscouts announced to the pasha that the sultan of senar himself was approaching to salute his excellence on his approach the army received him with the honors due to his rank he was conducted to the tent of the pasha by the ambassadors he had sent where he remained in audience with his excellence a long time when the audience was finished he and the personages he had before sent to the pasha were splendidly habited in the turkish fashion and presented with horses furnished with saddles and bridles embroidered with gold footnote fifty two the present sultan of senar is a young man of about twenty-six years of age he is black his mother having been a egress he was taken out of prison where he had been confined for eighteen years by his predecessor who was massacred by the party who placed him upon the throne this revolution had taken place not very long before our march to senar his name is badi End of footnote. it was on the morning following that the army reached the capital we marched in order of battle the pasha accompanied by the sultan of senar and his chief servants in front on approaching the city the army saluted this long-wished-for town where they imagined their toils and privations would cease at least for a time with repeated and continued volleys of cannon and musketry accompanied with shouts of exultation but these shouts subsided on a nearer approach on finding this once powerful city of senar to be almost nothing but heaps of ruins containing in some of its quarters some few hundreds of habitable but almost deserted houses after the camp was pitched and i had refreshed myself with a little food i took a walk about the town at almost every step i trod upon fragments of burnt bricks among which are frequently to be found fragments of porcelain and sometimes marble the most conspicuous buildings in senar are a mosque and a large brick palace adjoining it the mosque which is of brick is in good preservation its windows are covered with well-wrought bronze gratings and the doors are handsomely and curiously carved the interior was desecrated by uncouth figures of animals portrayed upon the walls with charcoal this profanation had been perpetrated by the pagan mountaineers who inhabit the mountains thirteen days march south of senar and who at some period not very long past had taken the town and had left upon the walls of the mosque these tokens of possession the palace is large but in ruins except the centre building which is six stories high having five rows of windows footnote fifty three the natives told me that this palace had been built eighteen years ago by the late good sultan that they had had who had planted before it rows of trees which had been destroyed when the palace was ruined as i understood them in the wars between the different competitors for the throne during the last eighteen years End of footnote. by mounting upon its roof you have the best possible view of the city the river and the environs that the place can afford i judged that senar was about three miles in circumference the greater part of this space is now covered with the ruins of houses built of bricks either burnt or dried in the sun 
I do not believe that there are more than four hundred houses standing in Sennar, and of these one-third or more are round cottages like those of the villages. Of those built of bricks, the largest is the house of the Sultan. It is a large enclosure containing ranges of low but well-built habitations of sun-dried bricks with terraced roofs and the interior stuccoed with fine clay. What struck me the most was the workmanship of the doors of the old houses of Sennar, which are composed of planed and jointed planks adorned frequently with carved work and strengthened and studded with very broad-headed nails, the whole inimitable by the present population of Sennar these houses are rarely of more than one story in height the roofs terraced with fine and well-beaten clay spread over mats laid upon rafters which form the roof the city of sennar is of an oblong form its longest side opposite the river it stands not at any distance from the river but directly upon its west bank which consists hereabouts of hard clay the river is now rising but exhibits itself at present to the view as narrow and winding as far as the eye can reach between sand-flats, which will shortly be covered by its augmenting waters. Footnote 54 The river Nile lost its transparency four days before the army reached Sennar. The day that presents the river troubled marks the commencement of its augmentation. The day before we observed this change in the Nile, its waters were very clear and transparent. The day after, they were brown with mud. End of footnote. The bed of the Nile opposite Sennar may be reckoned at about half a mile broad. The environs of Sennar are wide plains containing large and populous villages. A long ragged mountain, the only one visible, stands about fifteen miles to the west of the town. Below the town is a small but pretty island whose inhabitants thrive by raising vegetables for the market of Sennar and the opposite bank of the river presents several verdant patches of ground devoted to the same object. Footnote 55. Sennar has three marketplaces. On our arrival we found them deserted, but on assurances from the Pasha that all sellers should receive a fair price for their commodities, the principal one in a few days began to be filled. The articles I saw there during my stay in Sennar were as follows meat of camels kine sheep and goats a few catfish from the river plenty of a vegetable called meholakea some limes a few melons cucumbers dried barmea a vegetable common in egypt beans dura duchin tobacco of the country plenty of gum arabic with which by the way senar abounds the natives use it in their cookery drugs and spices brought from gidda among which I observed ginger, pepper, and cloves, and great quantities of dried odoriferous herbs found in Sennar, with which the natives season their dishes, to which must be added a plenty of the long cotton cloths used for dress in Sennar. Such were the articles offered for sale by the people of the country. In addition to which, the sutlers of our army offered for sale tobacco, coffee, rice, sugar, shirts, drawers, shoes, gunflints, etc., etc., all at a price three or four times greater than they could be bought for at Cairo. In some parts of the marketplace the Turks established coffee-houses, and the Greeks who accompanied the army cook-shops. These places became the resort of everybody who wanted to buy something to eat or hear the news of the day. There might be seen soldiers in their shirts and drawers, 
hawking about their breeches for sale in order to be able to buy a joint of meat to relish their rations of dura withal and cursing bitterly their luck in that they had not received any pay for eight months while the solemn turk of rank perambulated the area involved like pious aeneas at carthage in a veil of clouds exhaling from a long amber-headed pipe all around you might hear much hard swearing in favour of the most palpable lies the seller in favour of his goods and the buyer in favour of his egyptian piastres in one place a crowd collects around somebody or other lying on the ground without his head on on account of some misdemeanour a little farther on thirty or forty soldiers are engaged in driving with repeated strokes of heavy mallets sharp pointed pieces of timber six or eight inches square up the posteriors of some luckless insurgents who had had the audacity to endeavour to defend their country and their liberty the women of the country meantime standing at a distance and exclaiming that it was scandalous to make men die in so indecent a manner and protesting that such a death was only fit for a christian a character they hold in great abhorrence probably from never having seen one such was the singular scene presented to the view by the market-place of senar End of footnote. beyond these spots the country on the other bank appeared to be mostly covered with trees and bushes among which i saw four elephants feeding i could not find any remains of any very ancient building in senar during my stay and i believe that none exists there such is the present appearance of a town which has evidently been once rich comfortable and nourishing but which for eighteen years past as i have been informed has been the lacerated prey of war and confusion on the day after our arrival the conditions of the accord between the pasha and the sultan of senar were arranged and sealed by which the latter recognized himself as subject and feudatory of the grand seigneur and surrendered his dominions to the supremacy and sway of the vizier of the padishah mehemet ali pasha the next day the chakadar aga of his highness the viceroy of egypt who had arrived in our camp two months past embarked in the kanja of the pasha ismael to carry the documents of this important transaction to cairo for several days after our arrival at senar our camp was incommoded by furious squalls of wind accompanied with thunder lightning and torrents of rain the pasha therefore determined to caserne the troops in the houses of the town and to stay there during the rainy season in ten days after our arrival the army was distributed throughout the town and in the villages on the opposite bank of the river the pasha himself took up his quarters in a large house of the sultan of senar which had been prepared for his accommodation a few days after our arrival a slave informed the pasha that the sultan of senar before our arrival had thrown into the river some cannon the pasha ordered search to be made four iron guns were discovered by divers and were dragged on shore they appeared to me to be ordinary ship guns no mark or inscription was found on them to enable me to judge where they were fabricated i believe them however to have been originally obtained of the portuguese by the abyssinians from whom the people said the sultan of senar had taken them in some ancient war between the two kingdoms on the nineteenth of ramadan a party of bedouins were ordered by the pasha to go in pursuit of some hundred black slaves of the sultan of senar who some time before our arrival had run away 
taking with them some of his best horses. On the 23rd they returned, bringing with them between five and six hundred negroes of both sexes. But on Malek Shous going to the Pasha and representing to him that these people were not the fugitives in question, the Pasha ordered them to be immediately released and to return to their respective villages. About the same time, the Pasha detached Kogia Ahmet with thirteen hundred cavalry and three pieces of artillery to the upper country of Sinar, between the Bahar el Abiud and the Nile, to secure its submission. Footnote 56 The occasion of this expedition was as follows. On our arrival at Sinar, and after the accord made between the Pasha and the Sultan of Sinar, by which the latter surrendered his kingdom to the disposal of the vizier of the grand seigneur the pasha sent circulars throughout all the districts of the kingdom notifying the chiefs of this act and summoning them to come in to him and render their homage the chief of the mountaineers inhabiting the mountains south and southwest of sennar the capital not only refused to acknowledge the pasha but even to receive his letter on this the pasha sent kogia ahmed one of the roughest of his chiefs with thirteen hundred cavalry, escorting three brazen-faced lawyers, out of the ten the Pasha had brought with him, in order to talk with the people of the upper country to bring this man and his followers to reason. End of footnote. And on the twenty-sixth of the moon, the Divan Effendi was sent with three hundred men across the Nile to secure that part of the kingdom of Sinar which lies on the east side of the Nile. Footnote 57. Several of the chiefs of eastern Sennar had refused to recognize the act of the sultan, calling him a coward and a traitor, for surrendering their country to a stranger. Some of them took up arms, which occasioned the expedition commanded by the Divan Effendi. End of footnote. Seven days after our arrival in Sennar, I put in execution a resolution the state of my health obliged me to determine on and demanded of the pasha permission to return to cairo i represented to him that all the critical operations of the campaign were now happily concluded and crowned with the fullest success and that therefore he could have no particular need of me any longer i stated to him that repeated sickness during the campaign had rendered my health very infirm and that a residence of four months at sennar during the rainy season would probably destroy me and as my presence for that time at least could be no ways necessary, I requested him to grant the permission demanded, telling him that if after the rainy season was finished he should think proper to recall me to camp, that I would obey the summons. The Pasha hesitated, and for several days declined granting my request, but on its being represented to him that the reasons I had stated were really just and sufficient causes for my return, his excellence finally told me that on the return of Kogia Ahmet he should dispatch a courier to Cairo and that I should accompany him. On the third day of the feast of Bairam I saw the Sultan of Sennar parade the town in great ceremony. He was mounted on a superb horse and clothed in green and yellow silks, but his head was bare of everything but its natural wool. Over his head an officer carried a large umbrella of green and yellow silks in alternate stripes. He was accompanied by the officers of his palace, and his guard, beautifully mounted, and followed by the native population of Sennar, both men and women, who uttered shrill cries, 
which were now and then interrupted by the sound of a most lugubrious trumpet which preceded the sultan and which was blown by a musician who judging from the tones he produced seemed to be afflicted with a bad cough on the seventh of the moon shawal the divan effendi returned to sennar having crushed all attempts to oppose the establishment of the pasha's authority in the eastern part of the kingdom of sennar and bringing with him three of the chiefs of the refractory and three hundred fifty prisoners as slaves the events of this expedition were related to me as follows we marched without resistance for eight days in the direction of the rising sun through a country fine fertile and crowded with villages till we came to some larger villages near a mountain called kata where we found four or five hundred men posted in front of them to resist our march they were armed with lances and presented themselves to the combat with great resolution but on experiencing the effects of our firearms they took to flight toward the mountain two hundred of them were hemmed in and cut to pieces and three of their chiefs were taken prisoners as well as all the inhabitants we could find in their villages after which we returned on my demanding if water was plentiful at a distance from the river my informant replied that there were wells in abundance in all the numerous villages with which the country abounds and also numerous rivulets and streams which at this season descend from the mountains the troops he said had forded two small rivers probably the rat and the dandar he added that the country abounded in beautiful birds and insects one of the latter he brought with him it was a small scarabaeus covered with a fine close crimson down exactly resembling scarlet velvet the people of the country he described as very harmless and exceedingly anxious to know what had brought us to sennar to trouble them two of these chiefs taken prisoners the pasha ordered to be impaled in the market-place of sennar they suffered this horrid death with great firmness one of them said nothing but there is no god but god and mohammed is his apostle which he frequently repeated before impalement while the other named abdallah insulted defied and cursed his executioners calling them robbers and murderers till too weak to speak when he expressed his feelings by spitting at them footnote fifty eight i must confess that i was much shocked and disgusted by this act on the part of the pasha especially as he had shown so many traits of humanity in the lower country which was undoubtedly one of the principal causes of its prompt submission this execution was excused in the camp by saying that it would strike such terror as would repress all attempts at insurrection and would consequently prevent the effusion of much blood it may have been consistent with the principles of military policy but i feel an insurmountable reluctance to believe it End of footnote. the third chief was detained prisoner in order to be sent to cairo during my stay in sennar i endeavoured to get information of the people of the country and of the few caravan merchants found in the market-place of sennar relative to the bahar el abud and the nile the information i received was as follows the source of the adit so the people of sennar call the river that runs by their city is in the gibel el gumara that is that great range of mountains called the mountains of the moon about sixty days march of a camel from sennar in a direction nearly south it receives at various distances above sennar several smaller rivers which come from abyssinia and from the mountains south of sennar 
the general course of the bahar el abud they said was nearly parallel with that of the adit but its source was much farther off among the gibel el gumara than that of the adit the bahar el abud they said appears very large at the place where the pasha's army crossed it because it is augmented from the junction of three other rivers one from the southwest and two others from the east running from the mountains south of senar footnote fifty nine they told me the names of these rivers which i put down upon a sheet of paper devoted to preserving the names of some of the principal maleks of the country in my journey back this paper has disappeared from among my notes and papers which has been a subject of great vexation to me End of footnote. on my asking them whether the bahar el abud was open and free of shalals or rapids they said that at a place called suluk about fifteen days march above its junction with the adit that is above the place where we crossed the bahar el abud there was a shalal which they believed that boats could not pass footnote sixty the people of sinar also believed that our boats could not pass the third cataract and therefore their opinion with regard to the shalal at suluk is not to be relied on End of footnote. on my asking whether by following the banks of the bahar el abud and the river that empties into it from the west it was not possible to reach a city called tombut or tombuktu they said that they knew nothing of the city i mentioned having never been farther west than kordofan and darfur this was all i could learn but i am disposed to believe that the main stream of the bahar el abud cannot have its source in the same latitude with that of the adit because it commenced its rise at least this year about twenty days sooner than did the adit and the different colour of its waters proves that it flows through a tract differing in quality of soil from that through which passes the adit the interesting question whether the niger communicates with the bahar el abud will however very probably be determined before the close of another year as the pasha will probably send an expedition up that river secondly i am further disposed to believe that the main stream of the adit or nile of bruce does not take its rise in abyssinia but in the mountains assigned as the place of its origin by the people of sinar for on viewing the mass of water that runs by sinar even now when the river has not attained two-thirds of the usual magnitude it acquires during the rainy season i can by no means believe that the main source of such a river is only about three hundred miles distant from senar the tract of country included between the adit and the bahar el abud is called el gezira that is the island because in the season of the rains many rivers running from the mountains in the south into the bahar el abud and the adit occasion this tract to be included by rivers i am disposed to believe that the representations made of the climate of this country are much exaggerated as except during the rainy season and immediately after it the country is a high and dry plain by no means excessively hot because the level of the countries on the nile being constantly ascending from egypt occasions senar to be many hundred feet higher than the level of egypt which is proved by the rapid descent of the waters of the nile toward the latter country footnote sixty one the rainy season in senar at least the commencement of it such as i found it may be thus described 
furious squalls of wind in the course of one or two hours coming from all points of the compass bringing and heaping together black clouds charged with electric matter for twelve or fifteen hours an almost continual roar of thunder and at intervals torrents of rain after which the sky would be clear for two three or four days at a time End of footnote. the east and south winds also are in sennar cool breezes because they come either from the mountains of abyssinia or the huge and high ranges which compose the gibel el gumara i was in sennar at midsummer and at no time found the heat very uncomfortable provided i was in the open air and under a shade in the cottages and houses indeed on account of their want of ventilation the heat was excessive i made during my stay in sennar frequent inquiries about the fly mentioned by bruce the people of sennar said they knew nothing of it but in reply to my inquiries referred to a worm which they say comes out of the earth during the rainy season and whose bite is dangerous footnote sixty two it is nevertheless possible that this fly may be found in that part of the kingdom of sennar which lies on the other side of the adit End of footnote. the reptile species in sennar are numerous the houses are full of lizards which if you lie on the floor you may feel crawling or running over you all night i saw at sennar a serpent of a species i believe never before mentioned it was a snake of about two feet long not thicker than my thumb striped on the back with a copper-coloured belly and a flat head this serpent had four legs which did not appear to be of any use to him as they were short and hanging from the sides of his belly all his motions which were quick and rapid were made in the usual manner of serpents that is upon its belly footnote sixty three it was in the house where i quartered at sennar that i saw this singular animal i jogged khalil aga my countryman and companion to look at it he burst out into an exclamation by god that snake has got legs he jumped up and seized a stick in order to kill and keep it as a curiosity but it dodged his blow and darted away among the baggage which was overhauled without finding it as it had undoubtedly escaped into some hole in the clay wall of the house mr constant the gentleman who accompanies mr caillot was present at the time so that i am convinced that what i saw was not an ocular delusion i have been informed since my return to egypt that the figure of this animal is to be seen sculptured upon the ancient monuments of egypt End of footnote. i do not feel authorized to give an opinion as to the national character of the people inhabiting the kingdom of sennar but i am obliged to consider the inhabitants of the capital as a very detestable people they are exceedingly avaricious extortionate faithless filthy and cruel footnote sixty four the people of sennar catch cook and eat without scruple cats rats and mice and those who are rich enough to buy a wild hog fatten it up and make a feast of it i had heard in the lower country that the people of sennar made no scruple to eat swine's flesh but i absolutely refused to believe that a people calling themselves mussulmans could do this from choice but after my arrival in sennar i was obliged to own that i had been mistaken the species of hog found in the kingdom of sennar is small and black it is not found in that part of the kingdom called el gezira that is the island but is caught in the woody mountains of the country near abyssinia 
in the house of one Malik in Sennar, was found about a dozen of these animals fattening for his table. End of footnote. The men are generally tall and well-shaped, but the females are almost universally the ugliest I ever beheld. This is probably owing to their being obliged to do all sorts of drudgery. The children of these people, and indeed of all the tribes on the upper Nile, go quite naked till near the age of puberty. A girl unmarried is distinguished by a sort of short leather apron, composed of a great number of leather thongs hanging like tassels from a leather belt fastened round the waist, and this is all her clothing, being no longer than that of our mother Eve after her fall. The married women, however, are generally habited in long, coarse cotton clothes, which they wrap round them so as to cover their whole person, except when they are at work, when they wrap the whole round the waist. As to the manufactures of the people of the Upper Nile, they are limited, I believe, to the following articles. Earthenware for domestic uses and bowls for pipes, cotton cloths for clothing, knives, mattocks, hoes, and ploughs for agriculture, water wheels for the same horse furniture such as the best formed saddles i ever rode on very neatly fabricated stirrups in the european form made of silver for the chiefs and not like those of the turks large iron spurs bits with small chains for reins to prevent them from being severed by the stroke of an enemy's broadsword long and double-edged broadswords with the guard frequently made of silver iron heads for lances, and shields made of the hide of the elephant, to which may be added that the women fabricate very beautiful straw mats. There is a general resemblance in domestic customs among all the peoples who inhabit the borders of the Nile, from Aswan to Sennar. They differ, however, somewhat in complexion and character. The people of the province of Sukut are generally not so black as the Nubian or the Dongolese. They are also frank and prepossessing in their deportment. The Dongolese is dirty, idle, and ferocious. The character of the Shagayan is the same, except that he is not idle, being either an industrious peasant or a daring freebooter. The people on the third cataract are not very industrious, but have the character of being honest and obliging. The people of Berber are by far the most civilized of all the people of the Upper Nile. The inhabitants of the provinces of Shendi and Halfia are a sullen, scowling, crafty, and ferocious people, while the peasants of Sennar, inhabiting the villages we found on our route, are a respectable people in comparison with those of the capital. Throughout the whole of these countries there is one general characteristic in which they resemble the Indians of America, namely courage and self-respect. The chiefs, after coming to salute the pasha, would make no scruple of sitting down facing him, and converse with him without embarrassment, in the same manner as they are accustomed to do with their own maliks, with whom they are very familiar. With the greatest apparent simplicity, they would frequently propose troublesome questions to the pasha, such as, O great Sheikh, or O great Malik, for so they called the pasha, what have we done to you or your country that you should come so far to make war upon us is it for want of food in your country that you come to get it in ours and others similar end of part six